happened to you, man? Your ass used to be beautiful. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Underrated. This is a podcast where we discuss the films that we find underrated, underappreciated, or the ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am one of your hosts, Derek McDuff, and joining me, as always, are Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And Alan Torres. Hey, what's up, everybody? And today, we're going to be doing a special episode. This episode was one picked by a Patreon producer of ours, Her Art Study, a.k.a. Chelsea, picked this movie for us. So thank you, Chelsea. Uh, This was after she has been a producer-level patron for six months so and her pick was jackie brown so really really excited great pick i'm i'm stoked to talk about this i feel like this is a uh tarantino obviously huge filmmaker hasn't made that many films all his films get talked about except for maybe this one so really excited to delve into it but yeah if you guys want to suggest a film to us become a producer and it's just five bucks a month to be at that producer level, and you can have us talk about a film after being that, at that level for just six months. So we look forward to having more films picked for us by you guys. But back to Jackie Brown. What do you guys think of this film? It's the least Tarantino movie of Tarantino, and mm-hmm. I think that's why it's kind of like under the radar for even like Tarantino fans. Um, this was my first time watching it, and and outside of yes there's a foot like a long ass foot shot (laughs) five minutes in and then also like the twist at the end i i would say that the rest of it is very like more so like a slower burn and like while tarantino's movies are slow burns it is i don't know it's more so i think because like tarantino kind of has this aspect of like snarkiness and his writing and things like that and you get kind of like senses of that but not as much as like other Tarantino movies, and like definitely not cinematic as a Tarantino movies like of like quick shots or zoom ins and zoom outs and all and all that that he kind of like plays around with in in his other films. So that I think that might also be why I did I did enjoy it, but but it, it was like yeah in the middle kind of like dragged on a bit, kind of like it's kind of hard to root for Jackie Brown themselves because it's kind of like she she definitely got herself into this mess and like it was while i was impressed that she was playing all the sides when she did end up getting away with it i think she just kind of like you know she was very much a a person out for herself and and i did i kind of you know looking at seeing that who plays jackie brown herself and like seeing that that is like foxy brown from the black black exploitation era of films yeah pam greer shout out great mm-hmm. cast in this movie and she's mm-hmm. incredible yeah and she kind of like plays in uh, she's kind of like plays into like what foxy brown would g- become when she's older in her 40s or you know going on 50s would be kind of like this still kind of like hustling and 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 doing that kind of thing and and then get finally scoring big and like uh riding off in this into the sunset it was very interesting and like yeah to see it's, it's uh, it was very in, the character that kind of like was made was very interesting was 
Robert De Niro in the character that he is. Like, at the time, he wasn't really, like, played into that character. He's more so, like, you know, like, the aggressor, mobster. You get that instance at the end, but even that was kind of, like, kind of bumbling. Like, she, he's like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I just shot her. I don't that know. That scene where like, he's like, high and he can't figure out which side the phone goes on, I was cracking up. I was like, yeah. is this my dad? Yeah, and <laughs> it's very much, it, it's kind of like a character that he plays into more so in his older years now, in present day. So, it, it is very interesting that, that he kind of, like, played into I, I would go so far as calling him a dumbass, you know, because he is a dumbass. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a, yeah. just like an aggressive dumbass. Like Samuel Jackson's character said, like you couldn't, you couldn't have just like, like smacked the hell out of him. Yes, yeah. smacked her, or you know, beat the hell out of her. No, you shot her. Like why? What? What the fuck was that? <laughs> you know. So in that moment was very Tarantino. It should like like, but it wasn't as like blunt and playful as like a tarantino movie really kind of sort of is like it, i would think in like other tarantino movies where you know he, when that kind of thing had happened they would be like well shit <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> um, uh and and to see yeah like uh samuel jackson's character like actually like get pissed off and like kill kill like that but that's like i, I that was, i enjoyed that kind of thing of like and it showed that that's like how how his trait character trait was like from the beginning of like killing Chris Tucker's character, like just flat out. I was not expecting that. And yeah, like it, it was it was like the, a very for a Tarantino movie it was simple. It was clean, mm-hmm. simple. Another clear Tarantino move was like the jumping back and forth from different perspectives about the same event, which happened in like the the mall for the for the mm-hmm. actual drop. Um. I was actually surprised now looking back at it that 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 first woman that took the money from like the test drop, she actually took the money. I was like expecting oh, yeah. her to like, <laughs> like oh like um Jackie Brown got her and took that money too kind of thing and, but yeah, it was very much a lot of like even that for Jackie Brown as a character she, just a lot of dominoes had had to fall and they did fall, how how she needed them to. Mm-hmm. Which was like very she's she's more so like lucky that she got away with it than like being like a strategic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um which we a kind little of column A, a little column B, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a lot more than like other like Tarantino kind of like mm-hmm. characters in this instance, like like with like Inglorious Bastards, like they stumbled themselves through, but like they they like hit their their mark. Like the trap was set and it closed on on um on the Nazi guy and stuff like that. And so yeah, so, yeah, like it was very interesting, a very interesting movie. Like yeah, it's like a it's the lightest Tarantino movie for sure. Alan, how about uh how about you? I know you're you're a Tarantino guy, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, funny enough, I have a quick little story. Today at work, I, I text I text you guys earlier, but at work, I didn't mention it to anybody. No one at all. No one at all. I I almost kind of forgot what we were doing today. <laughs> and we have like a tri-weekly lunch where our department gets together and, you know, the company buys us lunch. But that's pretty much it. And we're sitting there, or I'm sitting there, and like one half of the room, out of fucking nowhere, no, I didn't say one word. I was eating my sandwich, and they just go... Jackie Brown. Okay, <laughs> who thinks Jackie Brown is like the most underrated Quentin Tarantino movie? And I was like, 
what the fuck? Okay. And they go have this whole conversation about it. They're all talking about Tarantino. And like, at that point I was like, I think I'm just going to like put my phone down and <laughs> record you guys for the episode. Cause you guys are doing everything for me. But obviously <laughs> I can't do that. Cause we're the podcasters. But no, I just thought that was like a funny, funny coincidence. I'm just imagining like the first scene of Reservoir Dogs. You got, but instead of like talking about Madonna, you guys are talking about Jackie Brown. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even like jump into the conversation <laughs> until like way later. Like I was sitting just listening. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, Jackie Brown, da, 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 and they're like talking about that. Like they're just going all out, and like mm-hmm. my the, the CEO of of uh, the art department company, whatever, he just throws it out. Jackie Brown is the most underrated Quentin Tarantino movie. And I was like, well, there it is. He, he did my <laughs> job. Cool. But yeah, then then I jumped in and then we started talking about our favorites, which I'll bring up later on in the show. But yeah, I thought that was just so funny and like coincidental. Like I was like, I'm going to be talking exactly about that. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is the most least Tarantino of all his films. But I guess what's really cool is that he's adapting a novel, Rum Punch. Right, exactly. Elmore and Leonard. Exactly, yeah, and it's really cool that, like, we haven't really seen him adapt anything. Like, you know, you've heard, you know, every now and again, he's like, yeah, maybe I'll do a Star Trek movie or something like that, or he'll be like, maybe I'll do this or that. Like, I think he even said Friday the 13th, I'm not sure. He said a horror movie. But, and I've always been curious to see that, And but at the same time, we've actually kind of already seen him adapt a, a, a novel film. So... I think the beauty of the film is that he's able to take the good points of the, the novel and then do his stuff. Because you can tell, like, in certain scenes, the way the characters talk, you're like, that's very Tarantino. That's super, like, his style, his direction, the way they act with each other. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely him. But it's really nice to see him adapting somebody else's work. But, uh, yeah, I, I will say it's not my favorite it's probably like at the bottom of the list and it's not horrible whatsoever it's not, no way is it a bad film at all it's just like like ariel was saying it's Lee Tarantino, and all his other stuff is just way better but yeah pam greer i mean just knocks it out of the park i think she's absolutely wonderful i have the biggest crush on her in this film she's absolutely stunning like oh my god like at the end of the movie where she's like you want to go to madrid i was like i'll go with you Fucking yeah. kind of thing so beautiful but uh yeah and then uh max i forgot his the actor's name he just has such he's the the uh, bell of bonds oh robert yeah, forster yeah Ro- what's his name robert, robert forster robert forster he legendary oh character actor legendary character actor mm-hmm. oh yeah no he god damn both of them had absolutely great chemistry and his acting was so like i love i think the i mean it's probably the highlight of the film is like the the dressing room scene and everything like that. I just love how cool he is. He's not like every other character is like stressed and everybody's kind of like, and Robert De Niro is like sweating and he's like, oh my God, I got to do this. And then Pam Greer is kind of like, she has like that like anxiety of like, oh shit, I hope it works out. He's cool as a cucumber. Just so fucking chill. So relaxed. Just like, I, I kind of always forget he's a bell bondsman. I'm like, dude, you should be like a an agent. Like, how are you now, Michael Keaton's character kind of thing? That's very funny 
seeing Michael Keaton like he's like kind of like thinner in this movie, and I'm just like, with like five a years Michael's ago, cars. who right was he riding a motorcycle or was he riding a bike in those shorts? Because he should not have been. He had a motorcycle helmet, I think. Um, when he came in one time to the station or wherever they're at, at their offices, and he had a motorcycle helmet and I think like a leather jacket, but then he was wearing like biker shorts. And I'm like, dude, what are you riding a motorcycle on, like with the biker shorts and stuff? Oh, that's right. He does have the shorts. It's Michael Keaton. He's showing off yeah. his ass. He's like, you know what? I mean, I had a he, bunch of. He's like, hey, you want to see these nuts? Hey, come on, see, see these nuts. <laughs> I mean, he was he was clad in leather just five mm-hmm. years prior, so he's yeah. probably like, I want to show off my bod. Come on. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I, my ass is hidden by a cape. Like, let's go. Kind of thing. Yeah, Mike Keaton's great. Uh, yeah, dude, I mean, it's Quentin Tarantino's direction. He he just gets it. But yeah, that that uh, the highlight of the film was that you know the whole uh, dressing room heist stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, Derek, what do you think? Yeah, no, I I I agree with pretty much everything you guys said. I think yeah, I was gonna kind of lead with um, what you were saying, Alan. That yeah, this is definitely the, the least. Tarantino of Tarantino's films and I think the big reason is because it's his only one that he adapts from someone else's work um as you mentioned he adapts it from Rum Punch and I think Elmore Leonard is one of these guys like we've talked about like Neil Gaiman or one of these guys who writes books but they are like very very adaptable like he's been adapted like they've made like 20 movies based off of his books they've made seven tv shows including some of my favorite Films and TV shows of all time, 310 to Yuma, the remake, uh, Justified, the TV show, one of my all-time favorite shows, just a ton of great stuff. And I think because of that, I think Tarantino has definitely a, a very house style where he's his films are very elevated and they're very cinematic. They're very, very much drawing you to the artifice of like, this is a movie, this is cinema. And this is not doing it. There's maybe a couple moments where it's a little bit showy, but it's very, it's it's very much like, hey, this is just a very kind of, I would say it's his definitely his most mature movie. And I, that's not to say like his mm. other ones are immature or something, but they're like a kid, you know, like in a playground. Like if you could like, you know, shoot a bunch of Nazis and stuff like that and kill Hitler, like, yeah, great. Um, this one though is just like, here's an adult story and it's because it is based on the novel. Um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate all of that. Funnily enough, speaking of the fact that this is an adaptation of an Elmore Leonard novel, did you guys know that just a, a couple years later, there was another novel that was based on an, or another movie that was based on an Elmore Leonard novel that once again had Michael Keaton playing the same character. Cause they're like, Oh, we've got, um, Steven Soderbergh was adapting out of sight. And so he and Ray Nicolette is a character in that. So he's like, well, I guess they've they've already been a perfect Ray Nicolette and uh, Jackie Brown. So so he brought him back. But yeah, like this this movie, it's just you know you guys you guys said it all. Did it come out like ten years ago? It was ninety, uh, or maybe this or was. Not. This, I'm thinking of uh, something. Maybe I'm thinking of something, something else. Yeah, it was it was, it was in the nineties. It was it was about the same time is this one but i i wanted to watch it beforehand to just kind of compare the styles because you know same character adapted from the same author 
but you know, very obviously Soderbergh and Tarantino, very different styles. I just didn't get a chance to watch it beforehand, but yeah, like I said, you guys said it all. This is just a really solid movie. You, it's got a great ensemble of characters that are just kind of, you know, there's big chunks of the movie, especially the beginning where you don't even see Jackie, where it's just, you're getting introduced to this other cast of characters and they all kind of just end up, like you said, Ariel, more so than her plan, they end up just kind of fucking themselves over and like shooting each other and doing stupid stuff. And I think that a big part of that is a big part of the theme is something you had alluded to, Alan, which is that everyone in this movie, except for Max and Jackie, are trying to prove that they're so cool. You know, Samuel Jackson's constantly trying to see that he's cool. De Niro is trying to prove that he's this awesome guy. And then once he starts getting made a fool out of, he ends up shooting uh, Bridget Fonda's character, uh, Melanie. Uh, she, Melanie's trying to seem like she's really cool. But these guys, they're just really cool. And they don't have to try. Like, I love that moment when, you know, earlier on, like, Sam Jackson yells at De Niro. He's like, look at me when I'm talking to you. And, he's, and De Niro's trying to, like, like, oh, I'll do it. But I'm trying to be so cool. It's this machismo that he's putting on. And then when he does it to Robert Foster, he just kind of glances over, like, I don't need to impress you, man. Sure. You mm -hmm. say, look at you. I'll look at you. And they're both just... They're just cool. They're not trying to put on... Even Ray Nicolette is like, hey, what's up? Hey, it's me. I'm a guy. Come on, Jackie. I'm going to put... Hey, it's those me, big... Batman. Hey, yeah. Eddie, I'm going to talk right, to you with the chair the money? around. Come on. Yeah, come on. Hey, I, I guess that supports the story. You know, everybody I'm is... I'm the just... bat. Yeah, hey, I'm the bat. Everybody's just trying to be so fucking cool, but these guys are just sly as shit, and I just... I love how subtle their romance is. Like, the whole movie, you're like, oh my gosh, oh, the chemistry... Yes. It's on fire, and then they Fuck, have that yeah. that that kiss, and they and then they have another kiss, and he like it's you're just so like, you passionate, dude. Right? And I'm like, dude, fucking go with her, please. <laughs> like, I usually don't care for romance, mm -hmm. but like this type where the chemistry is so good, mm -hmm. and, but you know what? I think it's because because now that I, you know I've seen the movie, they don't get together, and she goes and does her own thing. I think I love that, like passing ships mm -hmm. so i'm just yeah. like fuck like god damn it that was per also too because she's just fucking hot so i'm like you go <laughs> please and then I, I don't know i love that i let that like passing ships thing where it's like check you later you know see you around well, what's the fucking see you around kid or whatever yeah like i love those those brief encounter things you know that's like a, a big favorite of mine and yeah it's such such a light touch their romance and just like everything else in this movie this is Quentin is used, like, you know, Quentin, he goes hard usually, but in this one, he had a very light touch. So it was really nice to see a different side of Quentin Tarantino. And I think that's the real reason this is so underrated, because you don't think of this as a Tarantino movie. I think it's more of an Elmore Leonard movie, but, you know, still, he's a, he, Tarantino's great in it, or he's, he's great directing it. And I think, too, he was probably challenging himself because he has two big bangers right out of the bank. Mm -hmm. He has Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. And I think. I was thinking about this earlier when I was leaving work. I was like, he's he's a young director. He's hot. So at that time, they're like, all right, you got Reservoir Dogs, you got Pulp Fiction. He probably was like, I need to slow down. I need to change it up. Because they're kind of similar in, in a weird way, those two. And I think he's, because I feel like with starting directors, there's always like two things. They either go for like balls to the wall or they go for mature, very like, quality I don't, I don't know how to explain but like 
he had those two bangers and he's like, all right, now I got to challenge myself as a director, just like Kevin Smith kind of comes to mind. He had two comedies, you know, he had Clerks and, and the Mallrats. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to fucking push the boundary with Dogma. He like challenged himself to, to be like, or, no, or, no, 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 I'm sorry. Chasing Amy. I think, it was, I think it was Chasing Amy. After those two, which Chasing Amy is more of like a dramedy mm-hmm. about, you know, sexuality. Where like he challenged himself to be like, all right, I have to try something different, not be safe. So I think Tarantino went with Jackie Brown and being like, on top of not writing it, or he wrote it and adapted it, but like he adapted a novel and was like, I have to somehow put my style into it, but also put respect on the novel. I don't know how much he adapted from from it, like down to the T because I never read the novel, but I feel like he definitely was like, I need to challenge myself as a filmmaker, as a writer, director, everything to be like, let's see what I can do with this. And I felt like he did a great job. I don't know how well it did the mm-hmm. box office, I think uh it, it did pretty closer? well it, it yeah right yeah because it had it had a pretty modest budget despite i think it's one of those movies where like, like it has a great cast but it's a bunch of people who are like yeah i want to work with tarantino you know um yeah. so it only had a budget of 12 million dollars so, and it made about 75 so you know oh, it's, yeah it's, so it's it, one of those it, yeah one of those, mm-hmm, yeah huge box office success one of those movies that comes in under budget just every it seems like one of those movies that everybody wanted to kind of like be a part of and then yeah so you make like you know same same way speaking of Soderbergh, Soderbergh always does that. Um, so yeah, just it was, and it's it's definitely one of his more, smaller movies. Like this, you know, other than I think maybe his his first film, this probably has the smallest budget mm-hmm. of any of his movies because he could have made you know he and he would often make these big big movies, but he wanted to do something different, and I really respect that. I respect that too. I love that. I really, I really love that. I, again, yeah, it's not like I've never heard anybody say that Jackie Brown's their favorite. Mm-hmm. Tarantino film, but I feel like it has like the utmost respect for most Tarantino like fans. Like they yeah. all kind of go like, "Yeah, it's not my favorite, but I dig it. It's good." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, pr- I appreciate that about him a lot. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think it really would qualify as underrated because I feel like he he's such a household name that you kn- you say even people who aren't film buffs, you'd be like Reservoir Dogs or Glorious Bat, they're going to know that movie. But like I was just watching it and my roommate had never heard of it, you know? So I think film people know this movie for sure, but I think to the common everyday person, they, they might not. I agree with that. And it's just, um, it, 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 it's definitely like, I think for that reason, like when you, if you come across this movie on a, on a shelf, you know, like, you know, back in the day or, or even now streaming, you know, like come across the tile and stuff. You don't see Tarantino mm-hmm. in it. Like, it, Taran- you just see it as like, oh, okay, this is like an 80s. Uh, like I said, like on the verge of like that kind of like shaft black exploitation kind of feel to it with, with mm-hmm. the Jackie Brown character. And, and even like, even like uh, Samuel Jackson's character with the with the ponytail, like. Even my brother, you know, he came, he had came in like halfway through. He's like, "Why does he have this ponytail?" <laughs> and it's like, I love that at the beginning, like of all people, like of course Chris Tucker is gonna the character is gonna like comment on it. Like he's like, "You you ponytail stuff like that," you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it is definitely. And, and even then, like like when he has it down, like at the end, it's like so inert because it's like you don't see uh, Samuel. L jackson 
like with that hair yeah. kind of thing ever mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he either but i do like that this was kind of like his this was i don't know if it was the start start i'm sure he's like i'm gonna be wearing these because like he probably is already wearing them but he of course he's carried them in his you know in his legacy as samuel jackson but the the kangals the, the kangals yeah the kangals yeah yeah wearing those so i was like okay we at, I, at least we have that element of samuel L. jackson kind of thing but like the ponytail just kind of takes it away <laughs> because it's like the most like he he's he is samuel like classic samuel L. jackson but then he's also like he's like oh but like he's like a dumber version because like <laughs> samuel jackson's character is like even in like uh jenko and chain like they they are like disastrously plotting they are kind of like they are cut pretty smart and this character is just he he is he is kind of dumb and so so yeah it's 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 kind of like out of um touch with like samuel jackson and especially samuel jackson in a tarantino movie you know kinda. yeah what was his line it's a uh, my ass may be dumb but i'm not a dumbass i thought that was such yeah, a good line yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's just like, you know, like, I, I do really like that all this stuff you're talking about, Ariel, that it is a real throwback to, like, these 70s black exploitation films. Like, obviously, you can be like, oh, yeah, this is a movie that's from the 90s. It's set in the 90s. But it really does feel down to, like, the music, the way that it's shot with, like, these wonders and everything. It really, and, you know, Sam Jackson, Pam Greer, it does feel super reminiscent of those movies. And I don't want to place too much, too much praise on it for this, um, but it was... Like, this is the first time Tarantino was like, hey, this is a movie that's not about just a bunch of white dudes, you know? He's like, mm-hmm. let's have a black female lead. And then, obviously, you know, he would have female lead, a female lead again in Kill Bill. He would have a black lead again in Django Unchained. So, and he did get a little flack from, you know, like, Spike Lee and stuff like that for this movie. Yeah, but I, I heard about it, that. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole thing, you know? Well, even, the even like, the poster, like, with mm-hmm. which is, like, he, she's not even actually shooting the gun, but it's a shot of Jackie Brown, like, with the gun, like, whipped out. And, it, and then in the actual movie, it's which is a very black exploitation image of, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, a black black woman or, or a black man, like, with a gun kind of thing. Like, you know, shooting, like, kind of like the Charlie Angel uh, move. But then, but then in the movie itself, it's, like, Oh, she's just kind of like prepping herself to do that. And that moment too is like she's prepping herself to do that, but then she has like the she ends up like calling the the cops like essentially like, "Oh, he got a gun." kind of thing. So it's like why did she even even practice? It's like it it, it going back. It's like Jackie Brown as a character is like, yeah, she's kind of complex kind of thing. Yeah. It's cuz it's like well, why even think that? Like it, and it goes back to like what I was saying of like while she comes across as like knowing what she's doing, there's these like moments and and things that pop up where she kind of doesn't, you know, she's mm-hmm. is like, yeah, like somewhat weighing it. And like, even in that moment, like going back to what you were saying, Derek, is like she's acting like she has something to prove in that, in at least that moment. And like, she, I would, I wouldn't call that moment as kind of like being cool, it's kind of like acting cool, like mm-hmm. you were saying. And that was the only moment that, like, she did that. And so maybe with her not doing that and then I, I, and actually, like, calling the cops, it's kind of, like, maybe showing, like, her regaining that cool, that actual cool. One thing I wonder, too, is just, like, did she just maybe think these people are all dumb, they're going to implode? Like, if I just live them to their devices, if I, you know, flip 
Melanie some extra money, they'll just eat each other because she knows that they're all idiots. Like I wonder, like I wonder if that was like she's just kind of counting on everybody fucking up and fucking themselves over and just cannibalizing each other. Think so because she does give Sam. She does give like Melanie Samuel Jackson the right the amount that she tells the cops. So like yeah, she exactly yeah. yeah. So whichever situation that they found them, she was just banking on that they would find them in some way, you know. Mm -hmm. So they were gonna find them with the fifty thousand dollars anyway, and I think that the one things that. The few things that she was like had to be banking on to go follow through was like one cherry cherry following through with his and m mailing which is like insane like mailing money <laughs> like yeah. I don't see that's a that's a little bending of reality like like even back then like you <laughs> would not be physically able to to mail money like that. Um, could you, Jackie? Could you Venmo me, Jackie? Yeah, that's, that's not even Robert that. Forster. Not even that. But like, but anyway, and then and then so she was baking on that, and then she yeah she was baking on Samuel Jackson never talking to the police because all he had to say is like my half mill, and the the gig was up for her part, and like with the cops, like they would have thought like you yeah you took money. So so yeah, she was banking on a lot and like yeah. uh but I think that it she just had to like get Samuel Jackson to to not talk to the cops and that's like all she needed to do and they just kind of imploded on it worked out for her favor. But I don't think that she was like banking on them imploding on themselves. I like to believe there was a lot of luck. <laughs> just a lot of luck because I don't think any of these characters were like master strategists or mm -hmm. clever. I think maybe Max and Jackie were just a little bit smarter, but by a hair. And it was a lot of luck. It was a lot of luck. That's that's what I think because I feel like a lot of the characters are really grounded mm. in reality, almost like too relatable where you're like i feel like i might know some of these people in real yeah. life so you're kind of like i don't think this would have happened completely on purpose it's pure luck and the mailing of the money thing reminds me of a wolf of wall street where they're they're taping the money on themselves <laughs> to go to sweden or whatever and put their money over there in a bank and i, I was like these people aren't smart they're fucking dumb <laughs> so I was like, I think it's just everybody was banking. I think they were just going all in, going in all in blind and hoping that the river was going to get the, give them everything they needed for their cards. I, I really think that's what it was. Yeah, no, that's but, a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah, <laughs> just definitely, definitely, yeah, gambling and hope it paid off. So then overall... You know, I know you kind of alluded to it, Alan, and we were, we were kind of hinting at it. Where would you guys say this ranks for you in terms of Tarantino movies? At the end, I think the worst thing that he's done is Death Proof, which is like, you know, the half, 
half part of really mm-hmm. you'd like oh Death my goodness no, I, i've never i've never oh seen it i've never that's goodness. the one that's the one tarantino thing i haven't seen because i'm like this is not a full movie oh, it's, man. it's it is the most tarantino i will give it's, you that it's very so this is tarantino. the least tarantino and that's the most tarantino right yeah so you okay. gotta hit a middle middle ground tarantino like <laughs> yeah, you... <laughs> death proof is like overboard tarantino how many oh, feet dude. how many feet like close-ups of people driving are there in that movie there's a lot, there's a lot. right? There's a lot. There's, there's, a, there's, a, yeah. there's a scene. I, I was get, well. I'll, I'll bring it up later. But there's a scene where uh, Stuntman Mike. The, the, it's a lot of character development. That that film is like, it's like a very, very, very slow moving slasher film. But it's like a lot of character development. And there's a scene where Mary Elizabeth Winstead is hanging out on the back of a car, but her feet are out the window, and there's a perfect camera shot of her feet. And then Stuntman Mike, uh, Kurt Russell's character, comes and like literally just like caresses her feet and like walks That's away. That's it. That's and it. And I was That's like, it. there you go. The only way it could be more Tarantino is if he said the N word while he was doing it. They had Rosario Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. the, I would I would put that I would put Jack Jackie Brown ahead. Like you said, it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like yeah, like it's not Tarantino kind right. of thing. Yeah, I'm like kind of like looking at the discography and stuff. But yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's just because of like Tarantino only has like what seven films? Or uh, six? I think it's nine. It, it depends on how you well, count them. But you yeah, there's nine. You categorize Kill Bill as one. Yeah, that's um, how he yeah. counts them. Because he said he's his whole thing is he's I'm only gonna make ten films, and I mean the last one's gonna be the film critic, and then I'm gonna be done. And and so like he counts Kill Bill as one. He doesn't count four rooms, and he doesn't count. I agree the... with that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah and, four uh, rooms. I wouldn't count. And then he doesn't. There's one he wrote but didn't direct, um, which I'm spacing on right now. Uh, he doesn't uh, count that one either. Total Romance. No, something. Oh, uh, True Romance. True, true romance. romance. There you go. True yeah. Romance. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, Alan. Uh, yeah, this one I would I would put it at the bottom. I I, mm. I it's, again, it's not a bad film, not a bad film whatsoever. It's just because uh, I was, but my next, I was going to ask you guys your top three Tarantino films, and I know Derek said he haven't seen Death Proof, so it's okay. You can you know knock that one out. But yeah, for for me, I noticed I kind of like the more violent, and but I I I love when he uses influence from other genres a lot like mm-hmm. like he's really great at melding genres and and, and he does a really good job about it and i think jackie brown is just the least tarantino like you guys were saying and it, it's it, for me it's, it's just a great solid film but I, it's just not a film that i catch myself going oh i want to go rewatch it you know like mm-hmm. I, I like sometimes i go oh, i kind of want to go watch you know the fucking 20 hour cut of hateful eight more than Jackie Brown. Really? Okay. That's that's the one Tarantino that I don't love. That's funny because I, I well, no, it's not funny. A lot of people say that. <laughs> I actually don't <laughs> like that as much. I thought it was really enjoyable. I don't think it's like high on my list, but I would watch Hateful Eight more mm. than Jackie Brown. But yeah, I guess going into my question, what is your guys's top three? Because this this got brought up at work when I was when I jumped into this mm. conversation, kind of. Going back to the story I told, uh, when we were talking about it, they asked me, they're like, what are your top three? Because some guy was like, what are my goers? like, oh, Inglourious Bastards, number one, best fucking Tarantino, blah, blah, blah. But that one's not even in my top three. So I want to hear what your guys' top three Tarantino movies are. 
actually enjoy Hateful Eight. I do. Yeah. Like, uh, so I might be in the minority, but, uh, I, I've never seen the 20, 20 hour one, but, but I, I enjoy the storytelling of Hateful Eight. I love how it's like, it, it's like narrated in like a chapter wise kind of thing. And then it is very much, I, it, it, it's also like a stage play that, almost oh yeah stage play it's mm -hmm. all it takes place essentially all in one room there's so many like comedic kind of like callbacks and stuff like that like with the with this one character having to go out all this time and then like with the it is like yeah a stage play because there's like all these things happening very Wes Anderson yeah kind, mm -hmm. kind of sort of yeah, yeah like with uh with things I would say more so and then also has that Sildenberg uh, which with like oceans kind of thing where there's a lot of callbacks like it'll like the whole thing with like her brother Gormagoo's brother being in the cellar and then that whole payoff with like he pops up it's Channing Tatum oh shit boom like it, it's <laughs> the most Tarantino like it, I love that Tarantino where it's just like we're gonna throw in somebody and like no it's he's gone like we'll kill him right away it's and is so, so is that so yeah is that yeah. your three number i three? think that i think that would be my two, two i'm kind of thinking well no it would be my three i think it would be mm -hmm. my three i think um inglorious bastards might kind of kick it kick in at, at two and then and then kill bill one and two volume volume one and two i think would be my top just because Kill Bill is such an epic story, and mm -hmm. I and also going back to like Hateful Eight, it is very much like it is episodic in a way, with like there's like a uh, chapter one, chapter two, the bride kind of thing, and all that, and yeah. like um and also love love the idea of like a kill list kind of crossing off people and 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 things like that. So yeah, I need to, I need to rewatch Hateful Eight. Like, I don't hate the movie; it just didn't hit me the same way as all his other ones. Um, so I, I should re I, I should check out like the Netflix miniseries like that you were talking about that they made it into Alan. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, my my top three actually, yeah, I was gonna say this is my number four. So this is like hanging out right outside of those. I really like this movie a lot. I mean, I haven't rewatched some of his stuff in a while, so that that might not change that might change but i i do really really enjoy this movie but like ahead the three i'd say i put ahead of it uh number three i would say is is definitely kill bill the one and two which you know definitely go check out uh the episode me and ariel did of you've never seen because that was like the last one of the last things i got to see of tarantino was both kill, kill bills had a lot of fun watching those um it always fluctuates my number number one and two on every given day like he started, so I'll say today, Reservoir Dogs, he started his career with such a bang. Like, that first film, like, right out of the gate. Like, I know everybody loves to say that Pulp Fiction is a better, like, better than Reservoir Dogs. I really like Reservoir Dogs a lot better than Pulp Fiction, which is probably my number five, honestly. It's also great, but I love Reservoir Dogs. But number one, it's Inglorious Bastards. Like, that movie, it's, it's everything I ever wanted from a Tarantino movie. You know, it was the last film uh, that he got to do with his longtime cinematographer uh, or his longtime editor, Sally Menke, before she uh, passed away. And, you know, so it, it, it's just it's so good. It really catches you by surprise that that ending in a way that you tried to replicate later, but you kind of knew it was coming because you'd seen the other one. 
but it's so perfect. And I love, you know, the way, and then Brad Pitt like looks into the directly in the camera's like, I think this might be my masterpiece. And that's Quentin. And then he says, directed by Quentin, directed by Quentin Tarantino. You're like, it's that's him telling you this is his masterpiece. And you know what, Quentin? I agree. Well, I I will say, and I got a huge guffaw at work when I said my top three. Uh number three, Death Proof. I fucking love Death Proof. It's the closest to a horror film Tarantino ever uh, going to do. I'm not there you go, there you go. That's why I'm not surprised. Uh, it's so good. Grindhouse great. so insane. <laughs> like, just the whole the double feature of Grindhouse. Both movies mm-hmm. are so insane. I thought Planetary was meh. I thought it was okay. Not, not my favorite. But, yeah, it was funny because when I got shown it, uh, our old co- co-host, Fred, he was like, yeah, dude, we could watch both of them together. He's like, I'll show you Planetary. It's a better one. And then he's like, we'll watch Death Proof after because if you fall asleep it's okay fucking love death proof i was like this shit's way fucking better than planet terror i love it just because it's it's all fucking real like the last 20 minutes of that film is absolutely edge of your seat fucking just pure raw adrenaline gas tires metal dude it's so fucking good amazing stunt work just Oh my god! And then the the ending is just so perfectly satisfying. I know people complain a little bit about stuntman Mike being a little bit of a spoiler. He's not as like cool as people thought. I thought it was perfect for his character because I was like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> but Kurt Russell fucking kills it. All the girls: Rosario Dawson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, oh my god, I forgot her name. She's a, a, amazing. A stunt woman who plays a stunt woman. Oh, Zoe a, Bell. Zoe Bell, thank you. Yeah. She does a, a fucking amazing job. It's Quinn's just like, you've got the writing. best feet in the game. I'm going to put you in every movie. Fuck yeah, dude. And, and and I love it. She shows up in Django, and I was like, fuck yeah, I know that's her. Great. Like, I, I just, it's great, man. It's so fucking good. It, it's just, like, no CGI, practical, stunt work, fucking great. Django and Chain, number two. I love Django quote the fuck out of it with my buddies i think it might be one of my absolute favorite westerns or as quentin calls it a southern (laughs) it's just great man i love it the action's great i love the story i will say the whole plot to get jingle's wife is a little kind of convoluted almost yeah it's it's uh, a lot of work (laughs) but one of the best one of the best scenes though with the whole um kkk scene with oh, the yeah. whole bags and stuff. Oh my stuff. god, I forgot and, about and, that scene. It's so good. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Like, who who made these? And like the holes all messed up. He's like, my wife worked so hard on this. Fuck you guys. And then he, yeah. he, he rides off. Yeah. Christoph Waltz, Jimmy Fox, mm-hmm. kill it. You know, they did that. Leo, Leo DiCaprio, Sam, Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. Dude, fuck oh it. my god. god. Damn, everybody knocks yeah. out of the park yeah. with that one. And uh, you know what? And then Quinn does a great job of like you really want Dr. King Schultz to live, oh, kills yeah, him okay. off, and it gives him a great send-off, and you're like, fuck. Like, I kind of love that tragedy of, like, dude, I love this character. You killed him off, but he was just a, such a badass. But, yeah, and then, going into number one, Dr. King Schultz, there's a Easter egg in my number one, Kill Bill. That's my absolute favorite, Kill Bill, volume one and two. There's a grave... Where, where where they put Beatrix Kiddo, spoilers, that's her name, the bride, into the ground. It's like, I think, a relative of Dr. King Schultz. It's, um oh my god, it says it in the chapter. It's like Pamela Schultz or something like that. But they put mm-hmm. her 
in the, that grave. So she's related to uh, Schultz huh. from uh, That's Jenga. That's cool. That's cool. I love when he really does cool. that because like all of his movies are set in the same like or like there's the realer than real universe and there's the universe so it's like i love that he like is like thinking about all these connections um in all of his movies i think like that's a so descendant cool. of like bear like the bear character in in um in glorious bastards like one of his descendants is in like one of his other movies i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or vice oh, versa then... or bear is the descendant of like i think a character in Django, something like that something connected with bear from from inglorious bastards Mm. So, yeah. and, and speaking uh, of connection oh what were you gonna say alan oh no i was gonna say uh did i say paula paula schultz that that's the the girl uh, okay yeah and then just real fast the the vega brothers vincent vega yeah yeah yeah, from yeah. perfection and uh uh mr blonde he was vega reservoir dogs mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah sorry go ahead no i was gonna say speaking of connections i'm i don't know about you guys with justified coming back i'm i'm really hoping that Maybe we can get because Keaton, he's coming back. He's he's reprising roles that he did early in his career recently. So let's get him back. Let's get him play Ray Nicolette one more time, one more foot of the road, Unjustified in another Elmore Leonard thing. Because I think it's he like does Ray, show like, up in that. But was Ray like Nicolette more so like a California um, agent? I don't. Well, I know because because they they cause mentioned they mentioned Detroit happens. in this movie. Yeah, they mentioned because oh, like the, that and that's a big thing is the Detroit Mafia in yeah. Justified and. Mm-hmm. I think De Niro was from Detroit, so like mm-hmm. it, you know, they it, it all connects, you know, it all mm-hmm. it's all one big thing. I love it, the original cinematic universe. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, glad to hear uh, you guys. Uh, God damn, dude, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of glad they they recommended this because this is like I feel doing an underrated podcast is it's kind of tough to do Tarantino because they're all bangers. So it was nice to be able to do this because, like, yeah, you can't be like, oh, Pulp Fiction's underrated or Jane's right. underrated. They're all fucking great, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe hatefully, I I sometimes think Death Proof is underrated, it's, but like, yeah, <laughs> I, I like I'm very surprised that the hatefully it's not because I, I thoroughly like enjoyed. Yeah. I like, yeah, like I said, like I think a lot of people really do what I do, which is the qualifier. It's like I like it, just not as much as the other Quentin movies. Um, but yeah, I think this one's definitely like your your coworkers are saying. Like this is the underrated mm-hmm. for sure Tarantino movie. It just nobody talks about it. Like everyone talks about Tarantino, and it's part of it. I think is because Tarantino's movies, like everyone talks about movies and all of them, and so like that's just kind of you know life imitating art imitating life imitating art over and over again this one doesn't really go down that path like there's a couple scenes where he's like i'm gonna go see some movie um that's about it but yeah i don't know any any final thoughts on jackie brown enjoyable i mean like yeah when when you said that it's from the writer from justify i kind of understand a lot but a lot more because it is like yeah it is kind of that kind of beat of of a of a story for sure which justified also has like bad guys who are dumb as hell but they <laughs> they somehow stumble into into victory but then stumble out of it just as quickly so so yeah that's great man definitely check it out if you haven't seen it yeah i mean i feel like a lot of people's lists of all of like tarantino fans i feel like this is always there you know they're like i've seen all of them except jackie brown right it's always jackie yeah. brown or death proof it's always jackie jackie brown or death proof and i'm like well Go out and watch both of them. Instead of watching Planet Terror and Grind- and Death Proof, no, go watch Jackie Brown and uh, Death Proof because, like Ariel said, it's it, it's 
both sides of that spectrum. It's <laughs> the least Tarantino, the most Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's well said. But yeah, um, thank you guys once again, and thank you to everyone for listening. And one more time, thank you to Chelsea for suggesting this one to us. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Yeah. So shout out. We would love to get some more. Like we said, at the top. Sign up for our Patreon if you want to be a five dollar producer and suggest this to us. If not, you know we also have just a one dollar tier. If that's a little, if five is a little too rich for your blood, and then you get access to our bonus podcast, the Undercast Film Club, that we do whenever there's something we want to discuss that wouldn't fit on underrated or you've never seen or anything like that we talk about it there uh, we just did recently an episode talking about our top theatrical film going experiences that was a lot of fun and sometimes there's some other cool stuff sometimes if i'm able to edit them quick enough i'll put those episodes out early for the patrons so you guys if you are a patron get access to episodes of underrated before anyone else so look us up under cast company on patreon as well as instagram facebook all the all the places tiktok now we're doing the film uh microdose film reviews on tiktok uh alan just did one not too long ago on the flash that was really cool um number so, one box office making film in the world or well not in not in this universe unfortunately <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey it, at least it beat elemental yeah like i guess i mean yeah. But go check out the review. I love it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. But yeah, we, we do a lot of other stuff as well. Um, I do my podcast, uh, the other podcast I do, where I'm the uh, co-host uh, along with my buddy Damien. Can I say something? And then, of course, Ariel has her podcast. My cast of You've Never Seen comes on the first of every month. Um, so, and wherever you you hear and listen to podcasts, go and check that out. Um, and yeah, it's I enjoy the, the discussions I always have. They're always really fun. Yep, yep, so look look forward to that. And then just I want to shout out a couple podcasts that I was on recently. By the time this, this episode drops, I, the episode should be out of where I got to go on the podcast No Highway option, where the premise is they talk about films and compare them to the movie The Pacifier starring Vin Diesel. And uh, it was, it's, a fun, it's a lot of fun, uh, except for I had to watch The Pacifier. And then I had to watch New Moon, which was the movie I was comparing it to. But that was that was a lot of fun. Those weird, both bizarre, fun, not good movies to talk about. Uh, and then I was also on the You Man pod- podcast. That's Y O O M A N, uh, where I got to talk about talk about film, and so that was a lot of fun. So check both those shows out. Check out all of our stuff, of course. Uh, check out You've Never Seen. And uh, until then, I'll see you guys all next time. Bye. Thanks for being amazing. Take it easy, everybody. Have a good one.